Hey everyone, welcome back to the Not So Simply La Femme podcast. We're your hosts, Sam and Liv, and we are so excited to introduce you guys to our guest. She is here today to help us transform our morning routines from frantically hitting that snooze button to waking up feeling refreshed and energized. We don't know if you know this or if you've noticed this, but stressful life events like a global pandemic can really mess with the quality of your sleep, which in turn affects your hormones and your cycle. Luckily, we have Dr. Leah here to talk to us about what she calls the hormone sleep fix. Dr. Leah, welcome and thank you for being here today. We know that we could all be getting better quality sleep, so we are super excited to chat with you and find out how we can be doing that. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with both of you. We are so excited to have you. So Dr. Leah, we would love to start our podcast today by just chatting with you a little bit more about what you do as a naturopathic doctor. Sure. I'm, like you mentioned, a naturopathic doctor, and I am on a mission to help women transform from feeling tired and turned off to energized and excited. And what I so often see in my clinical practice is that women come in to see me after one, three, five, 10, or 15 years of taking care of everyone and everything else except for themselves. And they reach a point at which they know they need to put self-care as a priority because they're feeling tired and exhausted. And I totally get it. I have been there. And that's why I've turned this passion into actually helping other women overcome the obstacle of feeling too tired to do what you really want and what you really love. And so for me, sleep became a really obvious starting point to focus on with so many of my patients when I became a new mom and experienced the depths of postpartum sleep deprivation and how much of an effect that had on my mental health and my energy. And now I have a new appreciation and understanding for how many women are experiencing and living their life in chronic sleep deprivation. And it has a really profound impact on our hormones and on our mood and on our energy. And so I'm really excited to just share about that and help women understand how much they can prioritize sleep to help their overall health and contribute to hormonal balance. One of the reasons, Dr. Leah, that we were so inspired and interested in having you come on and chat with us on the podcast is because we attended one of your hormone workshops and we just felt so connected by a statement that you shared. A lot of the time we sacrifice self-care practices or things as simple as sleep to get all the things on our to-do list done. It's like such an unhealthy practice. So we really appreciate that you acknowledged it. Yeah, it's it's such an important point, I think, to make and highlight because often when we become busy or overwhelmed or overscheduled, the first thing to go is sleep. And what I often say is that we think by shortcutting our sleep, we're ultimately being more productive in a day because we're creating more time, but it ultimately starts like sending us in this cycle of being really overtired and underproductive because when you're physically and mentally and emotionally exhausted, it's really hard to focus. And on that note, (laughs) so Leah, what would you say that your areas of focus are in your practice? I work mostly with women between the ages of 25 to 55 who are experiencing some kind of 
Um, typically, like an energy concern in relation to a hormonal shift, I would say, is, is the all-encompassing. And that can present as mood changes, energy changes, sleep changes, hormonal changes like PMS or postpartum, perimenopause. Like there's so many different aspects of that. And the one thing that I've really learned in being a naturopathic doctor is it's never one thing. Yeah, I would definitely have to say that there's probably a lot of things that contribute to how I feel throughout the month. (laughs) Just out of curiosity, does your sleep pattern change around your period? Like, would you say that you need to sleep more before your period or during? Yeah. Like, or is that listening to your body more so? I am fully an advocate of listening to your own body. And I think one thing to highlight for everyone listening is to track your cycle because it's really hard for women to recall information and figure out how you feel or what you experience during different parts of your cycle unless you're actually actively tracking it. When you start tracking and become aware of it, you'll probably notice that in that premenstrual phase, your sleep is affected some way. So whether that's trouble falling asleep or staying asleep or you start waking up a little bit earlier or you're just more sensitive to the things that you're doing during the day that might then impact your ability to sleep at night. Um, And then it it ultimately is then an expression of like, well, how is your body reacting to that? And if you're feeling more tired, our default in society or a default expectation is to be super energetic and on the ball and be able to be super productive every day all of the time. But as women, we go through four-week hormonal cycles that drastically affect our energy and mood. And should your PMS be sending you into becoming like a psychopath? No. (laughs) (laughs) But should it be something that where maybe you're feeling a little bit different and and you can lean into that and say like, you know what, during that week, I'm going to take it a little bit easy on myself. And if you have control over aspects of your personal or work schedule, then you can actually say like, okay, I'm not going to over schedule myself that week. I'm actually going to make sure that my weekend is clear so I can just kind of hang out and take it easy. I just want to say that I think I deserve some sort of gold star because I religiously track my period, but I've been tracking it even more so uh, in relation to my sleep because I've noticed that during my PMS phase or just a few days or so before my period, I cannot sleep. Like I wake up exhausted, like completely drained. And then right before bed, I am wired and my brain is just running. So I've actually started to notice that that's a really common trend um, in my sleep pattern right before my period. It's fantastic that you notice that because then once we start recognizing these patterns, you feel more empowered around addressing them. Whereas before you would probably, if I were to ask you and you hadn't been tracking, you would probably say, Sometimes I just can't sleep and I don't know why. There's no reason, blah, 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 blah. But then when now we have a very clear association to say like, okay, it's probably that drop in estrogen. So then we need to look at it and say, are there other physical symptoms that you're having like premenstrual migraines or even hot flashes in women who are still menstruating? Because that is a sign that your estrogen is definitely dropping below a threshold that we might actually want to replace some and address it. And then like I mentioned, now you know that in that window of time, you want to be extra cautious and sensitive and self-compassionate around the things that you're doing in the day, especially in the evening to kind of wind down so your brain doesn't jump into that wired feeling as soon as you're trying to go to sleep. That's really interesting that Liv has a harder time sleeping because I feel like just before my period and during my period, I sleep way more and like I don't. I mean, I guess sometimes I feel warmer at night, but I'm getting that eight hours of sleep and I'm sleeping through the night and I'm needing it. Like I get to bed at night and I'm like, oh, 
thank God it's finally time to go to bed. So it's crazy how it's so different. Yeah. And I would be curious if you have an iron deficiency because like if you're feeling even more tired and you can access sleep a little bit easier, it's generally a sign your body's trying to compensate for something. We can make best guesses, but that's when it's really nice to do a bit of a deeper dive through things like blood work to find out what's going on for you. You have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a harsh way, but it's so challenging for any professional, any medical professional to support you if you've done no work on your end to kind of, you know, track the pattern of, let's say, your sleep or your hormones or your moods or your digestion. Because we can't just say like, you know, hey, I don't sleep well before my period. What's wrong with me? (laughs) So Leah, you talked about how important having a good night's sleep is. But what does it mean to have a good night's sleep? That's a really good question. So I break this down for people in a couple of different ways because often people want to know how much sleep do I actually need? So we know in the research that if you're getting less than seven hours of sleep on a regular basis, it's going to have a negative impact on some or many of your bodily systems, whether that's your cardiovascular health, your immune health, your reproductive health, you will ultimately be affected by shortcutting your sleep. And so what a good night's sleep then looks like for that seven to eight hours is that you fall asleep fairly quickly. And that means when you lie down and actually get in bed, you're not lying there long enough to think, why haven't I fallen asleep yet? Or feel frustrated over the fact that you haven't fallen asleep. It should happen fast enough that you actually don't have those thoughts running through your mind. And then you should stay asleep over the course of the night. So you're experiencing that continuous uninterrupted sleep. And you wake up feeling refreshed after at least seven hours of sleep. So the problems arise when you have trouble falling asleep and you're lying there long enough to think that it's been too long or that you wake up during the night and same thing, you're awake long enough to realize you are awake and are having trouble falling back to sleep or that you're waking up in the morning after say seven or eight hours of uninterrupted continuous sleep. And no matter how much sleep you get, you're still struggling to feel rested. I feel like it's super common for people to almost get anxiety when they feel like they're not getting a sufficient amount of sleep. Totally. And I would say that's a universal experience. We know the primary cause for insomnia is anxiety. And whether it's anxiety because you can't fall asleep or you're experiencing some other form uh, of anxiety or source of anxiety and that's impacting your sleep, it definitely has a very real and, and chemical and hormonal implication. And so to me, I always use sleep as a gauge of my nervous system's functioning. And if I am stressed and not managing that appropriately, I will not sleep well. And for me, that might show up as trouble falling asleep, but more commonly, it actually shows up as me waking up between 3 to 5 a.m. Or if I'm being awoken by something, like if the birds start chirping extra loud or if my son wakes up or something, um, I really struggle to get back to sleep from 4 a.m. onwards. And that's typically because that cortisol, that main stress hormone, has kicked in on top of it being too high already. Literally me right now. <laughs> I feel like honestly, since the announcement of this global pandemic, I have I have not slept throughout the night without waking up even once. And it's typically, like you mentioned, uh, Leah, between the hours of like 3 and 5 a.m., I'm just wide awake. Like I wake up, I check what time it is, and then I get frustrated because I can't fall back asleep. And then it's just like a repeating horrible cycle. Yeah. So do you want to break that down and, and walk through how to fix that. (laughs) (laughs) I would literally like nothing more in my whole life. Okay, let's do it. 
So what you need to pick and what, and the number one kind of sleep tip is to actually pick a consistent wake up time. So is there a time that you've been consistently waking up at, or are you kind of thrown off because your routine is, is out the window? You know what? Because I'm still working, I've been trying to be up between, I want to say 7.15 and 8.30, which is significantly later than what time I wake up when I'm actually having to physically go into work. Right. And that's okay. And I think it'll be relevant for a lot of people listening, especially over the summer and as schedules change. And so what you need to do is pick it as consistent of a wake up time as possible, because then that helps us set up our hormonal balance for the day. And then 14 to 16 hours after waking up, so let's say it's 8 a.m. just for simplicity, then 14 hours later is going to be 10 p.m. to midnight. And so that's when you're going to have reached your maximal state of fatigue. And if we push past being awake for 16 hours, that's when cortisol, that stress hormone, will start to pump up again and we'll get that second wind. This is more obvious. If you think about getting up at 5 a.m., then your bedtime should actually be between 7 and 9 p.m. But how many people are actually going to bed that early? (laughs) I was going to say that's so hard. And so if you're then staying up until like 10 or 11, like you're going to get that second wind and feel more awake and then feel frustrated because you can't fall asleep. So then what we do is say, okay, you're getting up at 8 a.m. Now pick your bedtime. And so if you want that full eight hours of sleep, then you want to make sure you're asleep by midnight. Then we reverse engineer a few things because we want to make sure in the hour to two hours before actually getting into bed, you're generating enough fatigue to feel tired that you're actually going to fall asleep quickly, like I mentioned. And so primarily that means avoiding screen time because so many of us will look on our phones or our tablets or computers, right? It's hard. I get it. And so you can do things like blue light blocking glasses and turn your phone on nighttime mode and turn the brightness way down. And all of those things are great. But often the things that we're doing on our phone are stimulating on top of it, exposing us to the blue light that's suppressing our melatonin. It's artificially telling our bodies it's still daytime. And so something like reading a book that's actually made of paper (laughs) is a great idea or listening to a podcast at night so there's no screen time associated with it or um, even watching TV because it's further away. It just shouldn't be in your bedroom. Um, But if it's further away, it's not typically that that dominant blue light. Um, Doing some light stretching, yoga, journaling, going for a light walk, like whatever it is that helps you integrate a bedtime routine. It's just the screen time before bed is what wrecks a lot of people's sleep because using a screen, like there was a study where participants used an iPad for 30 minutes before bed, it suppressed their melatonin production for up to 50% for three nights. So these things are having such lasting effects. And then most of the lights that are in our environment are LED light bulbs, which are primarily blue light. And blue light is what's emitted in our natural environment at peak daylight hours. So right now, if we were all outside, we'd be loving the effects of the sun and we feel wide awake, but it's because there's no melatonin being produced. And so what we're doing, I call it light lag. We're we're forcing these blue lights in our faces at night, and then we're still expecting ourselves to be able to go to bed, but your body has this complete mixed message of like, well, I thought it was just midday. Why are you trying to get me to go to sleep? That makes so much sense. It's almost like we're trying to trick our bodies to 
like withstand blue light and still function properly, which is just, it doesn't sound realistic and it sounds silly to say it out loud, but I think that's genuinely what I've been doing. And I know for a fact that my cycle has been hugely impacted. Like I fully skipped my period this month. And I think it's because of my really poor and inconsistent sleep routine. Yeah. And it's a good point to make because we'll we'll start recognizing these things as they go on. And if you look at something as simple as the advent of modern electricity and how much we've decreased our sleeping hours, like evolution isn't supposed to happen that fast. And so if we, if we build in that time and typically like an hour to two hours before bed um, without having screen time, then, and we're in a low lit environment. So you should also be conscious of like turning down overhead lights in your home and just using more lamps or low level lighting, then melatonin has the opportunity to start building. And that's the hormone that initiates the timing of sleep. And so when you feel tired enough, like your eyes are heavy and your head is heavy and you really just want to go to sleep, that's when it's actually time to get in bed. If you're worried about getting in bed because it's a specific time and you're forcing it, your brain and body start to associate bed with a place of being awake and alert. And then every time you get into bed, you're going to be awake and alert. And so part of it is just retraining our bodies. And this is totally obvious if we think about it in kids, right? Like you would never put a two-year-old in front of a TV and then five minutes later expect them to be falling asleep. It's so funny because I, I vividly remember as a kid like having a sleep routine. But for all of those listening who are not convinced on the importance of having a consistent good sleep routine, what are some of the health risks, Leah, that come with not having a really consistent routine? We'll see an increased risk of things like anxiety, depression, fertility issues. We'll see an increased risk of cardiovascular disease like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, stroke. We also see an increased risk of cancer, infection. And so there is literally no system that sleep doesn't affect. And one of the main ways that people die from sleep deprivation or lack of sleep is actually by being involved in motor vehicle accidents. Uh, so true. Okay, off topic, kind of. But what about caffeine? Oh, yeah, I drink a lot of coffee. So <laughs> and I love coffee. Uh, and I, I never tell my patients to completely get rid of it. But what we need to understand is that it takes the average person about 12 hours to fully metabolize a cup of caffeine. And so if you're having trouble sleeping, then we need to take that into consideration because what I'll often see is you're not sleeping great, so you're feeling super tired. The first thing you do in the morning is grab a cup of coffee and then you hit the afternoon wall and maybe you're skipping lunch because your day is so busy and having another cup of coffee and it just becomes that vicious cycle. So when we were talking about reverse engineering our day, so we're picking that consistent wake-up time and then our bedtime is going to be 14 to 16 hours later – then whatever our bedtime is, we actually want to keep caffeine to 12 hours before that. So if we're saying we're getting up at 6, we're going to bed at 10, then we're going to keep caffeine to 10 a.m. or earlier. That's amazing to know, and I'm definitely going to think about that when I go for that second cup of coffee in the morning. Instead, I'm going to just force myself to have an herbal tea. (laughs) So Leah, do you use like a watch or anything to actually track your sleep? Yeah, I have an app that I love. It's called the Sleep Cycle Smart Alarm, but you can also use like a Fitbit. There's a a device called the Aura Ring and there's another 
watch kind of wristband. I think it's called Whoop. And tracking your sleep is quite informative. There's a, a million and one devices on the market. And what's most important is that you pick one and use it consistently because nothing is going to be as good as a sleep study, like a polysomnography. Um, but what you're using as an individual on a regular basis is going to be inherently like inaccurate to you. So it will be consistently inaccurate, which is what we're looking for. So what the the benefit of tracking your sleep is the same way we're talking about tracking your menstrual cycle, that you can start to recognize patterns. So what a lot of these devices help you do is put in things that you've done that day or consumed. So for example, we can talk about wine and alcohol, or if you've had a stressful day, or if you've worked out, or maybe if you've worked out in the evening versus the morning, and you can start to see how these things start affecting your sleep. And the reason I like the Sleep Cycle Smart Alarm app is because it wasn't It wasn't another device. I could just download it on my phone. You can turn your phone on airplane mode and and let it track your sleep over the course of the night. And it does track your sleep phases and it has the ability to wake you up in a light sleep phase if you choose to use that alarm part. So how that alarm works is it senses your movement and your breathing it attempts to recognize when you're coming out of the deep stage of sleep and when you would normally be transitioning into the next sleep cycle, it actually sends your alarm to signal. So you can set it so that there's like a 15 or 20 or 30 minute wake up window. So as long as you don't have to be up at exactly a certain time, it will wake you up say between six and six fifteen. And I find it so fascinating and effective because as you're naturally kind of like rousing but would normally just roll over and fall back asleep you kind of hear this noise in the in the background and it just naturally wakes you up so that you're not being jolted awake um, by that deafening like "Mm, mm, mm," that gives everybody a heart attack so I'm a really big fan of that alarm feature that is genius yeah and it makes so much sense right because it, it just helps you tap into that point at which you are like naturally rousing. And, and we've all experienced this. Maybe when you wake up at six and you're like, I could get up right now, but maybe just 10 more minutes. And then you fall back to sleep and then your alarm wakes you up and you all of a sudden feel more tired than you did a half an hour ago. Yeah, definitely. So Leah, what does your sleep routine look like? Honestly, I keep it really, really simple because that's what I can maintain long-term. And so I shared before that sleep is always a reflection or a gauge of my nervous system. And so if I'm feeling more stressed and like I haven't had time to decompress in my day, I will make time for that at night. And so now that the weather is nicer, I've been enjoying some walks outside by myself, completely disconnected, and that burns off some physical energy from the day if I've been sitting a lot in front of my computer. Um, And then I'm typically just like off my phone, having a cup of herbal tea and connecting with my husband. We usually like hang out on our couch and just chat and catch up. And sometimes we'll, yeah, we'll watch a show or we'll read our books or something like that. But for me, it's just keeping it really, really simple. In the wintertime, if I'm not going outside because it's so cold in the evenings, um, I'll have a shower or a bath. And I find just like the energetics of, of washing off the day and splashing a couple drops of lavender essential oil in my shower just helps me unwind and decompress. So it doesn't have to be like super fancy or super complicated or take a really long time. You just really have to feel like you've connected with yourself at the end of the day and uh, giving yourself some time and space. I love that. Dr. Leah, thank you for coming and chatting with us today. I feel like I have learned so much. I'm so excited to share this podcast with all of our listeners. Amazing. I hope you all enjoy. 
We truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Show us some love by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To make sure that you never miss an episode, follow us on Instagram at simplylefemme.